Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I want to talk to you about something that I actually haven't talked about before, which is starting to get kind of unusual. And that is when OCD can actually be mislabeled, misdiagnosed, misinterpreted as a learning struggle for our kids. And that's a really big, important problem because I think that happens way more often than it gets detected. And it actually has been happening in my house. And, you know, I always like to speak from my experience. And so I want to talk about how reading, math, writing, social studies, history, I'm going to go through all of them and talk about the many different ways OCD can show up as an actual struggle. But before we get started, I want to say thank you to NoCD because NoCD is sponsoring this episode and they offer affordable, effective, convenient therapy available in the U.S. and outside of the U.S. And you can schedule a free 15-minute consultation to even just see if NoCD is a right fit for you and your child. You can go to treatmyocd.com. That is treatmyocd.com. I will leave a link in the show notes. Okay, so let's talk about this. This actually came about because, I mean, this is obviously an issue, but it came about in my house in the last, I would say, few weeks. It's been ramping up, and I'll talk about my own experience. I asked my son as he's getting older, if I can talk about this with you. And he graciously agreed. He's 12 now. So I'm trying to be more respectful, you know, trying to ask my kids if it's okay for me to share some of our stories that are happening in our house. And I love my kids because they, you know, they have my heart. And so they're always like, if that's going to help other people, absolutely. So I do really appreciate that. And I'm going to talk about how things have shown up for us. But let's start. I'm going to, I broke this down. And it really doesn't have to be broken down in this way because anything I talk about can impact any subject, but I think it can be helpful just to break it down by different subjects to show how it can become an issue. And so I do want to also discuss that it can be general issues. You can have a child who looks very scattered. I do have a whole podcast on how anxiety or OCD can be misdiagnosed as ADHD. And even though those are comorbid conditions, meaning they can hang out and they do like to hang out together, unfortunately, sometimes it's not ADHD or ADD that you're dealing with. Sometimes it's OCD, it's intrusive thoughts or it's anxiety and it's nonstop fears and thoughts that are distracting them from being able to focus so subjectively when a teacher is observing them and filling out a form to assess a child with ADHD, they might say, yes, the child looks distracted. Yes, the child can't, you know, stay on task. This child can't attend. You know, the child does look like they're fidgeting. And a lot of those can be also outward mannerisms and behaviors that a child with anxiety or OCD can have. So Also, I see it with executive functioning. People will say, you know, they just, they can't seem to get these things done or they, they need help planning. They're having struggles. And a lot of times the reason why they're having struggles has to do with the compulsions that they have to do in order to get those things done 
versus you know, needing scaffolding or needing some executive functioning skills. Now, sometimes they need both. So I do want to make sure that I am saying that sometimes kids need both. But today you'll see as I go through the many different ways that OCD can show up, how it can look from an outside perspective, similar to some of those learning issues. And unfortunately, our school system, our therapists, and even ourselves, if we're not educated in OCD, are more knowledgeable and are able to spot executive functioning issues or learning issues, expressive or receptive language delays, some math deficits. Like we can get those labels and we can see those much clearer and definitely in the school system, much clearer than we can spot OCD. And so let's go into it. Let's start with reading. (laughs) Reading's a big one. So with reading, it can show up in so many different ways. And I'm, I'm really, I'm actually going to just list them. I'm going to give you a little bit of information as I list them, just to give some examples so that you can kind of get a snapshot view of what I'm talking about. So it's going to be different for each kid. It can show up in different ways, but the end result for some kids is that they, they look like they can't read. They look like they, maybe their comprehension is really low. Maybe their reading scores are low, or maybe all of a sudden they're not being able to get through books that they could before. Or you might even see a child who just doesn't want reading and you want to read, and you're seeing a lot of pushback and a lot of tears when it comes to reading. And that's what was happening in our house. And I'll talk about that in a second. We're actually, we're still in the middle of this. This like just happened. And so, you know, stay tuned the reality show of Natasha's family. (laughs) But with reading, a lot of kids with OCD have to reread and they have to reread as they're reading for a couple of different reasons, depending on some of their OCD themes. So one of those themes could be, I have to read a chapter and that's my assignment. And so as I'm reading, I'm thinking, am I reading this? Am I focusing or am I lying? Did I read that last sentence or am I lying? Let me reread it just in case. And so as you can imagine, that can make a child very slow at reading. They have to read over and over again. So they're rereading the lines because they don't want to be a liar. Those tend to be kids who have moral or scrupulosity type of OCD themes. Moving on from there, we can have a child who has just right OCD and just right themes. And so as they're reading it, maybe it doesn't feel just right. Maybe they're not sure that they were actually reading that. And so they have to reread it until that sentence feels just right. And so again, that rereading objectively as a witness to it will just seem like that child's a really slow reader, taking them forever to read. They could also reread because, you know, OCD is called the doubting disease for a reason. And so it makes them doubt. And so I've had kids who have, you know, perfectionistic themes where they aren't sure they fully understood every word. And so they get hung up on, on every word. And, and it doesn't have to be an actual word that they don't know. It could even be a word that they're familiar with, but then their brain goes, do you actually know what that word means? Or do you know what they're talking about? And so they have to reread it and reread it. They can't move on until they fully understand that word. Another one is that they don't think they're focusing. And so they'll think, I don't know what's going on here. And so they have to keep rereading that to make sure that they're focused. So. Those are some of the reasons why you'll see a lot of rereading. Another thing that can happen with reading 
is a child is having just, they're being bombarded with intrusive thoughts. And so it's distracting. And that's where you can sometimes get that misdiagnosis that the child has maybe a focusing issue, which they could have. But a lot of times when you kind of explore what is distracting, you'll hear kids say like my thoughts. And when you kind of go into, well, what thoughts are you having? A lot of times they are intrusive thoughts. Sometimes they're thoughts about what they're reading. Like I don't fully understand that word, or I actually, I don't think I'm focusing. And sometimes the intrusive thoughts are about other things. The desk I'm sitting in is contaminated, or I shouldn't touch this book. Or what if I start to read a word that is taboo or that is triggering? I'm nervous about what, what if the story is leading to a, a part that is going to be overwhelming. And so that can also slow a child down. Another one, which I guess is maybe less common is having an intrusive song in your head. And so you can't focus. And we'll talk about that because that's actually part of our problem. Not my problem, but a problem in our house with my son. So I'm going to go through reading and I'm going to just tell you a little bit about what's going on with us. Another one is the child has a lot of mental rituals around reading. And this can be for lots of reasons. It could be that they have magical thinking. Magical thinking is, you know, I need to do this to make sure that something bad doesn't happen. A lot of times people think OCD is predominantly that. They think that it's all fear-based and I have to do a compulsion to prevent something from happening, a fear-based thing. And that's just really one small component of OCD. But you do have a lot of kids who have mental rituals. And a lot of kids in my practice would have things where they'd have to read a certain number of words, divide it by a special number, and do like a math concept in their head, which I would never, never have that problem because like my brain would never do math, (laughs) but that really slows kids down from reading. And so they might have to count all the I's or all the A's, or they have to count the words, or they have to go back every five sentences, whatever that mental ritual is for them, obviously it can really, really slow them down. Another one, and I'm just kind of like spitting these out at you because I want you to get the flavor of just how many things can happen. And then we'll talk about kind of how I play detective with my son today and how these things can go unnoticed for a really long time. So another one is they can't read certain words. So when you have, you know, a lot of different themes, there are words that are bad for all sorts of reasons. It could even be something as simple as I can't read any V word because V is for vomit and I'm afraid of throw up. I have a metaphobia. And so I can't read very, I can't read anything with a V. And so if I see it coming, I have to skip it. And that really slows me down as well. So that's another reason or worrying about a word popping up can be a reason. So being afraid that things are going to get triggered. So that's how it can show up in reading. And I think I'm going to go through all of these before I talk to you about what's going on with us. So in math, right, a lot of the stuff that I just discussed in reading can also happen in math. But with math, I also see that some kids, you know, they have OCD is can often be not always, but a lot of times it can have a favorite number and it could have a number it doesn't like. It might like evens, but not odds. It might like odds, but not evens. It might like the number four. It might want to avoid the number six. It's different for every kid if they have a number thing going on. My kids don't have numbers that I know of, but some kids do. And so what I've seen in math is that they are not able to write those bad numbers down. And so it lo- they're just getting their math problems wrong because they won't write them down or they like certain numbers 
So that can be an issue. And also kids can have those mental rituals that we just talked about again. And so, especially in math, that really welcomes a lot of number mental rituals. And so those can be there as well. And that can really slow down a child doing any math work because they're doing extra compulsions on top of it. So also I want to talk about writing. Before we move on to writing, actually, I do want to mention in math in particular, if you see a drastic drop in your child's ability to do math, and actually we're going to talk about writing too. There are two symptoms in pandas and pans that have to do with academics and they are really telltale signs if your child has a lot of the other things going on with pandas and pans as well and that is their math skills tend to just drop drastically and their writing because there's a neurological issue going on their writing starts to go slanted and or it can be very very messy all of a sudden so it's it's impacting their writing skills so if you see that along with other symptoms of pandas and pans, which I'm not going to go into today. I just feel like I can't talk about this without bringing that up just for a second. But those are some red flags. If you're seeing just a huge deficit in math all of a sudden and the writing, you know, they can't write on a line. You're seeing like kind of a slanted writing or their handwriting all of a sudden has gotten really poor. That is a concern. And you can always go to, well, let me look it up. Hold on a second pandasnetwork.org. That's pandas, P-A-N-D-A-S, network.org to look up the symptoms and get more information on that so that you have at least somewhere to go. So I'm not throwing you a little bit of information and not filling in the rest. Go over to that website and they have a symptom checklist and, and take a look at that. So going back to writing, Writing often becomes an issue with OCD. You have kids who have just right OCD, and so they are writing and rewriting and writing and rewriting. You see a lot of erasing. Sometimes this gets misdiagnosed as just perfectionism, which, you know, sometimes perfectionism and just right OCD do like to hang out together, but they are they are different. And so it just doesn't feel right. You know, that T just doesn't feel right, or it needs to touch the very top of that line, and it's not quite there yet. And the thing with just right OCD, it's really never satisfied. And so these are kids who you can see their handwriting. You'll see like some of their letters might be written on top of over and over and over again, or they might have a hole in their paper because they're erasing so much. That slows them down. So in writing assignments, they get so stuck and focused on how they're writing that they wind up not being able to do the writing assignments. And so it might look like they are dilly-dallying or they're not able to, or you might get a lot of tears around writing and a lot of resistance. And it might come down to that they get stuck on their words and that can be a problem. Uh, Another one, you know, these aren't all mutually exclusive. These can all happen at, you know, depending on your child's theme, it can impact your child in many different subjects in many different ways. Just trying to give you a little like, you know, smorgasbord of like the different ways OCD can show up in education. So another one is they might want to omit some words. I've had kids where they can't write certain words. And these aren't words that you would think necessarily are taboo. Sometimes we think like the bad words, you know, that might make a child feel uncomfortable, whatever those bad words might be. But it can really be anything. I was actually talking to my son yesterday and I was trying to, we went to the OCD camp and I went as a speaker, but actually as a mom and my son went 
And my daughter was really sick these last four or five days. So unfortunately, she missed it. But for those of you that were there, it was good to see. I saw some familiar faces there, people from the AT parenting community. So that was really nice. They got a really big turnout. So that was very cool. And they do the OCD camp twice a year. So if you're not checking that out, go to iocdf.org and check out. They're doing a lot of conferences now. So it used to be like one a year, big conference, but now they're doing one virtual. They're doing one in person, hopefully coming up in July, but they're also doing OCD camp, virtual OCD camp twice a year. And those are really good. So I took him out for lunch afterwards and we were able to just kind of talk about his OCD themes that kind of, it brought on more dialogue, which was really good. And I was saying something about how OCD has many tentacles and he didn't want me to say tentacles because it sounded like something else. And so, and then I think I said something else and he was like, mom, don't say that. That sounds like something else. And so even words that sound like something that's upsetting can be a word that they want to avoid. And so it doesn't have to make any sense. So just be aware of that. And so other areas it can impact are, you know, social studies could be talking about something that is triggering with a child's OCD theme, definitely science can be very triggering. And some of these kids may not want to say, you know, we're talking about, I don't know, we're talking about cells in science and that's really making me feel very uncomfortable. Or we're talking about space in science and maybe the child has existential OCD issues and the idea of space and where we're from and where we come from is overwhelming. And so maybe they don't want to do the assignments or they're not doing the readings and it just seems like they're being difficult or oppositional when really it's triggering their OCD. So that was a lot, (laughs) but I just wanted to kind of like list those out just to show you how many different ways OCD can show up in our kids' learning and can easily be misdiagnosed. Because even if you test them, they might look like they're having slow processing because they, they can't read fast. And so what happened to us, I'll kind of bring you up to speed on like why I thought about bringing up this topic. Sometimes they're good topics and I just haven't thought about it until it impacts me personally, which I'm sorry, but but, you know, Hey, with three kids, I feel like we wind up covering almost every topic, but my, my son has been talking about not being able to read and he is 12. He is in sixth grade. And every year they tell me they want to test him for gifted. So just to put it in perspective, he is, he gets really good grades. He's a really good student. He like prides himself on being smart. And just recently, he's been getting more and more tearful about not wanting to go to school. And this, this is, you know, just a total side note. I feel like we always look at our children. Well, maybe this is just me, but we kind of look at our, I look at my child's issues through my lens and through my struggles. And I almost feel like it's almost impossible not to do this on some level. So when my kids don't want to go to school and they've had social problems and I have social anxiety and I have had social anxiety my whole life, I put that lens on and I just assume that it's because they only have one favorite friend, you know, that, you know, kids aren't very nice to them. You know, they're a little quirky or whatever, and they're just tired of being picked on. And so they don't want to go to school. Like, I assume that because that is going on. And I had been assuming that with my, with my son and he has been, it's been revving up lately where he's like tearing up and saying, I can't read, you know, I can't read. And it's like, 
okay, two months ago, I got asked by the gifted teacher if they could test him for gifted. This is the third time they've asked. The first time they tested him, he actually tested so poorly. I didn't tell him this, but he tested so poorly that it was he was actually below average, which was clearly a test anxiety issue. Or now that I think about it, it might be what I'm going to be talking about with you today. But it was so overwhelming for me. I'm like, oh my gosh, they asked it to test him for gifted and they did. And he's like severely below average. You know, they didn't say anything. They just said he didn't, he didn't make the cutoff. Well, yeah, he didn't. I'm surprised you're not asking for like an IEP. And the second time they asked, I did a lot more therapeutic work with him. And I said, look, you know, this test is just for fun. It doesn't matter how you score. Don't sweat the small stuff. There's going to be questions on there that you're not going to know. It's not a big deal. And he was like right at the cutoff. And I said, how, you know, did you feel anxious taking the test? Because he's also speeding through it because time tests make him anxious. And he said, no, I think I did okay. And he he was like right at the cutoff, which I didn't want him in the gifted program anyway, because I feel like he doesn't need that added stress. I think it's good to just feel like you're like the smartest student in the class versus adding pressure to him with all of his other struggles. I don't feel like he needs that. But he always wants to be tested if they ask. So he was recently asked to test again. And I said yes. And we haven't gotten the results back yet. I have no idea. But I did a lot of like, again, some therapeutic stuff where I'm like, they're going to ask you questions that are like for seventh and eighth graders. It's like going to be way ahead of what you know. And so don't get anxious if you're seeing questions on there that you don't know. Just, you know, don't worry about it. And so I actually think they gave him an IQ test because the way he was describing it, it didn't even sound like it was curriculum from another grade. It actually, the way that he was describing it, it sounded like it was more of an IQ test. So I have no idea. I'm not in the loop on that. And so he has been getting tearful about reading and he used to love reading. So finally, and he has pans, you know, so pandas and pans, we were just talking about that. And so I'm thinking he's doing really well in math and I'm thinking, is this impacting him on some other way, like inflammation or I don't know, did I miss a processing issue? I'm like, just really racking my brain. And he does seem to have like some focusing issues. And he keeps saying, I can't focus. I can't focus. And he has been complaining about that to the point where we bought vibes, which are like little earplugs where you can still hear out of them to help minimize the the noise and chaos in his room. So these issues started maybe a couple of years ago, but they've really ramped up this past year big time where he'll say like, my class is so loud and I, I can't handle this. And it's been very, very vague, right? And started to get a lot of school refusal, not aggressive school refusal, but tears, tears at night on a Sunday night. Oh gosh, it's school tomorrow. I don't want to go. And, and of course I'm thinking it's social anxiety. So I'm like, you know, if you want to redo and you want to go to a new school, you know, we, there's another school you can go to because I do feel like his social skills have gotten better recently, but these are kids that he's been with since kindergarten. So I feel like almost maybe he needs a fresh start. He's like, no, it's fine. I I don't care. And I think what was happening actually is I was missing the point. I wasn't getting to the core fear, which I talk about a lot with you guys, right? I always say you need to get to the core fear or core theme of what's going on. A lot of time we're going to use the same foundation of how we approach OCD or the same foundation of how we approach anxiety. You know, OCD is OCD and anxiety is anxiety. And the, the beautiful foundation of it, which I teach in my online courses, are all always the same. But I want to start with what the core fear is, like what's driving this behavior, because I want to address that. 
I want to know what that is. And so, and sometimes it's not a core fear, it's a core discomfort, or it's a core disgust or core grossness, but I want to know what that is. So he was reading the book Cousins, which is kind of a young adult book. I never heard of it, but it's a New York Times bestseller, so it's obviously a popular book. And he like teared up. This was a few weeks ago. He teared up and he's like, I can't read it. And so I said to him, and he doesn't tear up often anymore. He's getting older. So I said, let's go into my room and I'll read it to you. And we'll see if you can understand it if I read it. And so I read it. And the first chapter is very dry. And it is actually like, this is a young adult book. A lot of it was like, he didn't understand what they were talking about. They're talking about a bar. And it started off with things that he wouldn't understand anyway. So I said to him, you know what? This book is actually hard for me to get into as well. I'm sure it gets better, but I'm thinking that maybe like, it's just, you have to give it time. Like you're not going to, this story is starting in the middle of a story, like a lot of stories do. And you're not going to know what that story is. And he was like, you know, so I normalized it and I validated it and I normalized it. And I'm like, we all feel that way. And that was the end of that. And then he started to complain about it more lately. He's like, oh, there's a really good book at school, but I can't read it. I just can't read. He kept saying, I just can't read. So I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what's, what's going on with his brain? And so the school counselor calls me last week, a couple of days ago, and it's like, hi, we want to test him for gifted math. <laughs> you know, like, oh my gosh. And I said, well, he actually was just tested gift. Like they just tested him for gifted. She's like, oh, I didn't know that. Well, if they tested him for gifted and he like, you know, was positive or positive, I don't think they speak like that, but he was tested into the gifted program, then we probably, we wouldn't have to do the math. And I said, well, while I have you on the phone, I do want to tell you, I know this is really weird because you're calling about him being gifted, but he's really struggling with reading. Like he can't read. And I know he gets really good grades and I know that's confusing. And she's like, yeah, that is really weird. And she said, (laughs) this is the funniest thing. She said, well, maybe it's his OCD, (laughs) which is, I don't know. I just find that kind of ironic. And I was like, well, I mean, maybe. And she said, why don't you have him read out loud and see if that, if that helps make it any better. And then we can take it from there. And I said, okay. And she's been a really good school counselor. And so I had not thought of it being an OCD issue at all. He doesn't have any of the themes that I just talked about, or at least I didn't think so. He's got restrictive eating, you know, so kind of what goes with pants, like, like he's afraid he's going to, he's going to choke or he's going to, he's afraid he's going to throw up. So very restrictive eating and it changes like what the issue is, but it's all around eating. And he has had a reoccurring fear of being poked to the point where he had compulsions around avoiding being poked in various ways, but that seems to be much better. And his last thing has been like getting songs stuck in his head. And that's an ongoing issue currently. He'll get very angry if the radio is on or if his sister is humming a particular song or actually if she's singing at all because the song is going to get stuck in his head, which you know, I recognize it's an OCD issue, just the level of distress and panic that he gets into, but it really hasn't shown up in any other way in his life, it didn't seem. So today, because my daughter was sick and he was like, quote unquote, a little sick, you know, with COVID and everything, I'm like, then stay home, it's fine. And I said, but you can't, you can't go on electronics or anything until school, the school's over. And so I said, let's just practice reading because that's been an issue. And actually, this morning when I woke him up to go to school, he cried. And I said, you know, you know, if school is such a big deal, like we can look at a different school, which I know sounds very accommodating, but I do feel like he needs a fresh start socially. 
And he said, I hate reading. And I was like, reading? (laughs) I mean, I'm so clueless, so clueless. And part of this is I'm telling you this because I want you to know here I am, an anxiety and OCD child, therapist, you know, specializing this, and I'm missing this thing right in front of my face, you know, so I'm hoping that makes you feel a little bit better. And so that's why when he stayed home, I said, let's work on reading. I said, your counselor said to just read out loud and see how that goes. So I said, just go in my room, shut the door, have some quiet, and just read out loud and just read the first chapter and come back to me. Pick a book that you love. So he did. And I heard him crying in the room. And I was like, what is going on? So I opened the door and he's hiding under all my pillows. And I'm like, are you okay? What's going on? I can't read. I can't read, mom. I can't read. Started to get really nervous and scared. I was like, what's wrong with his brain? Like, why can't he read? This happened this morning. So like, we're, we're still in the thick of things. He did not know. And he really couldn't articulate. And this is another point that I want to bring home to you is like, when I say, try to find the core fear, sometimes our kids won't know the core fear either. So they're not always being difficult. Sometimes they actually need help figuring out what it is. Like, you know, and so we actually try to work together trying to figure out what was going on. So he said, you know, reading out loud or reading in my head, none of it makes a difference. He said, actually reading out loud made it worse. And so we started to play detective because he just kept saying, I just can't read mom. It's hard. It's hard. And so I said, okay. And he's starting to cry. And I'm like, look, we're playing detective. You know, let's just have a calm discussion about this so that we can figure out what the issue is. Once we know what the issue is, then we can kind of come up with a plan on how to help. But we have to first figure out what the issue is. And so he said, I just can't focus. I just can't focus, mom. And so he kept saying that. And I said, you know, I'm trying to figure out if this is a processing issue, if this is an ADD issue, like you can't focus, or if this is an OCD issue. So because he's 12 and we've had a lot of conversations, you know, we were going to do this together informally, obviously. And so I said to him, I said, what's the hardest part about focusing? So when you're reading, tell, like, tell me what's going on. And he'll say, I can't read. I'm having all these thoughts. And then he said, there were two things that he said that, that kind of stuck out for me. And I don't understand, you know, I don't understand what I'm reading. And so some of what he was saying was starting to be like a red flag for me. So I said, well, let's just talk about those things. So you're saying you're about all these thoughts and they're like distracting you. What are those thoughts, right? So that a lot of times our kids will just give us a, a little piece of string and we're not going to get the whole ball of yarn right away. We have to pull at it. And a lot of times it's because they don't know either. And sometimes they're not comfortable telling us. In this case, he really, I really feel like he didn't know. And so he said, mom, I think I have ADD. I think I need medication for ADD. And I said, we're not going to just jump to the fact that you can't focus, but we want to figure out why you can't focus. And I said, I've seen you stay on task. I've seen, if I give you multiple step directions, I've seen you be able to do that. He goes, but I fidget a lot. I'm like, yeah, you're very squirmy, but you know, you're also an anxious person. I said, we can get you, we can get you tested for that. But I want to just still have this conversation about what's making you not be able to focus. So you said you have a lot of thoughts. What kind of thoughts are you having? And then he was like, well, I'm thinking, I don't know if I focused when I read that last sentence, so I need to read it again. And I'm thinking if I don't understand this, then I'm, I'm going to, you know, get a bad grade in school. And if I get a bad grade at school, I'm going to not be able to go to college. I'm not going to be able to have a good life. 
Whoa, that's a lot of thoughts, right? Those aren't ADHD or ADD thoughts. Like those are fear thoughts, right? And so I said, so what do you do to prevent that from happening? He said, well, when I notice that I'm not focusing or I'm not getting it, he would say that too. Like I, when I notice I'm not understanding it, I'll feel like, do I, am I understanding this? Did I get that word or am I understanding this story? Then I'll make myself reread it. And so that sounded very OCD-ish to me. And so we started to experiment and I said, and, and his core fear was, then I am not going to understand it. And if I don't understand it, then I'm going to fail out of school, which is a, you know, it's a common core fear. So I said to him, okay, let's just do an exposure as a, an experiment. Go, you know, take this paragraph, go in the other room and read it. You can earn, Now we have a whole behavior modification plan that I've talked about in other episodes, you know, and it's good when you have like this therapeutic home environment that's already in place so that it's plug and play. We got a new theme. We got a new problem. Plug and play, right? We know exactly how we're going to do this. We do it with exposures. We start to talk about it. You earn points towards blah, blah, blah. And so I said, you can earn two points if you just go and read that paragraph. And whatever you do, don't reread anything. And I said, what number would that be? And what I'm gauging at is how stressful is that going to be? Because if a child just had ADD and couldn't focus, me saying, just go read a chapter and don't worry about it. We're not in school. Just read it. If you don't understand it, it doesn't matter. We're just doing a little experiment. The stress level probably wouldn't be that high. But if it is compulsive and it's OCD, it doesn't have to make sense. And the stress level would be high, most likely. And so I said, what number would you be to just go in there and read? And he said, that's going to be like a nine if I can't reread. So I was feeling we are on the right track. And so he went in and he couldn't do it. He's like, I can't do it, mom. I'm rereading. I can't do it. And so then we just limited it to like one page. I think I had given him three pages. Just do one page. And there was tears. And then he came back out and he said, oh, I can't do it. And I said, well, what's been the hardest thing? And he said, the song shows up. Now he has a thing with songs showing up in his head. And the song shows up and it's distracting me. I can't focus. I hear the song in my head and I'm trying to get it out of my head. And I, so I can't, I've got to reread because I can't focus. So now we've got a second issue, right? So besides the rereading, because I'm not sure if I'm focusing, we have the whole, I can't focus because the song is in my head. These are all OCD issues, but the bottom line looked like he just couldn't read. And if I didn't know what to ask, and I didn't spend all this time today trying to dive and figure it out, I could have easily have gotten him assessed for ADD and he probably would have, you know, definitely shown signs of that. I don't see that in any other areas. And I wouldn't have realized that he's having these intrusive thoughts about not being able to focus or that these songs in his head, which I knew were an issue, I did not know that they were as big of a clinical issue as they actually are. So I'm using my own story to give you kind of a framework and an example of one, how to try to figure out the core fear that's going on with your kids, how it's even hard for me at times, also how this can impact their education or their functioning and look like something completely different. So eventually what I said to him today, so we're like still like this is all brand new. I said, let's take a ruler. And as you're reading, I want you to cover up the sentence above it, right? So it prevents you from being able to read the top line because he said my eyes were just bouncing back and I was, I was reading it and I couldn't stop myself. So we just blocked it out. And he said, that's going to be like a 10. And I said, okay, just do like the first, just the first page. And he did it. 
And he said it was uncomfortable, but he was able to do it. And we just, we both agreed, okay, well, from now on, you're going to have to do a couple of exposures a day to work on this. And I said, and I want to play that song. Eventually, I want to get to the point where we can play that song that's in your head. I want to actually play it for real while you're reading. He said, that would be terrible, mom. Why would you do that? That's not going to help me. And even my kid, I have to go back to how do we beat OCD, right? OCD wants you to do these rules so that you can read or that you can focus. But the more you do OCD's rules, the the bigger the problem grows. So OCD wants you to get the song out of your head. And so the way to combat OCD is to say, I'm going to invite it into my head and I'm going to learn how to tolerate the distress that it's going to cause. And I'm going to learn how to read and say, I may or may not be able to focus and that's okay. But early days, <laughs> that's where we're at. It was like, woke up to a whole new problem that was already there, had been there. I said, how long has this been going on? He's like, mommy, he doesn't call me mommy. I don't know. Why I just did that. <laughs> he said, mom, I don't know. It's been there since I can remember. I don't think it's been there from forever, but I think it's been growing for at least two years. And it looked like maybe a processing issue to me. It looked like a reading issue. And I was very close to having this, the school counselor, you know, give him like a psychoeducational assessment to see if there's some delays or some, some language or written expression struggles. And I was missing the boat the entire time when it's very clearly now an OCD issue, especially when I gave him those exposures, those challenges to do. And when we kind of poked the bear, the anxiety skyrocketed. So saying all that, I want you to think about your kids' issues, if they have any that they're struggling with, whether it is learning issues, executive functioning, all the mainstream things that we, that are easily noticed by educators and ourselves and are diagnosed. OCD is not noticed or diagnosed nearly as much as all the other stuff. And ask yourself, is it any of the things that that Natasha talked about today? Am I seeing any of those things? Or did I really go down the rabbit hole with my child and say, what's the hardest part about? When you're reading, walk me through what you're doing. Or when you're writing, walk me through what you're doing so that I can understand that. And now that I think about it, when my son has to write Christmas cards out for the last two years, it's been taking him a really long time to write because he'll write and he'll think he'll make a mistake and he'll write on top of it. He'll think it it's not clear enough. And so he'll kind of go over her, his T's and to the point where the card looks really messy because he's kind of like written and rewritten on top of it. And he does complain about his writing too, that he, he wished that he could just type and he doesn't like his handwriting and he wants to. And I've just thought he's been complaining like this entire time, even though I've treated many, many kids with these issues. When it's your own and it's really upfront in your face, you don't see these things. And now, and I'm actually just having this epiphany as I'm recording this podcast, which is, you know, really, really sad. He probably has some just right issues around his writing, you know, that it's not, it's just not right enough. It's just not good enough because that kind of coincides with his reading, right? He's just not reading it. He's not comprehending it well enough. So some new things that we have to work on. And I do want to say, because I think this has been coming up a lot in my AD parenting community, where parents start to feel overwhelmed when they when they discover new themes. They feel like they've been doing really well or they feel like they're on top of things and then they discover kind of like what's happening to me today, like something that's been there or something that's new and they feel overwhelmed. And I get that because parentally today I'm like, "Oh my gosh. I thought we were doing really good. I was like, we're on top of things. He's eating more. 
He's gaining weight. My 10-year-old daughter with her OCD is like totally in check. And I was like, we're cruising along right now to discover that there's a huge iceberg underneath the ocean that I had not seen and which just kind of hit my boat and started to rock it really bad today. But what I do know and what I started to remind myself is I got tunnel vision. I just said, we know how to handle this. We have a framework and it's plug and play. And so that's one thing that I've been saying to, to members of the AT parenting community. I say, don't get overwhelmed when new things pop up because it will. OCD and anxiety, they can be cyclical. But that doesn't mean that we're starting from scratch. It doesn't mean that now I'm going to start all the way back like I did with his food stuff. It's like, no, he knows how to do exposures. We already have a behavior modification system in, in place where he gets points that he can trade in for, you know, he likes to play the Oculus right now. That's his new thing. And so he can buy games on the Oculus. Like we already have in my family a system in place on how we handle these things. And we know that with OCD, we try to avoid doing the things that OCD wants, right? Whatever that might be. And we get our kids to identify what that is. And so I said to him, what are the compulsions related to this? And he'll say, well, rereading is a compulsion. You know, me trying to maybe avoid reading because avoidance is a compulsion. Me trying to get that song out of my head, right? So those are the compulsions. So we try to avoid doing those or delaying those. We move towards doing things that make OCD uncomfortable. Then the other thing, right? There's two, two parts of beating OCD, or at least crushing it, making it tiny, is exposures. So that's what I was explaining to him again today. I said, there's offense and there's defense. And I actually have a whole YouTube video on this. If you go to my YouTube channel, you could just go to YouTube and type in Natasha Daniels. It'll pop up. And then on my channel, you can search for two ways to beat OCD. Uh, I made that video a couple, maybe a couple of months ago. And I go over the offense and defense of, of crushing OCD. And I was explaining that again to him today, that you got this. This is what we do, right? We do exposures. That's offense. And the defense is OCD wants you to do this. And so you're going to, you know, try to delay it or ignore it or do the opposite. And sometimes those don't always fit exactly. Like, what is he going to do the opposite of reading, like not reading? And actually down the road, I told him one of the exposures that I've done with people who have these reading issues is um, I've taken a black Sharpie and I've blackened out some words as they're reading and they have to read it without fully getting the gist of what they're reading because they literally can't. It's blacked out. And he's like, whoa, that would be a 12, which tells me I am on to the right theme because that wouldn't be a 12 for me. That'd be a zero because I'd be like, well, that's annoying, but whatever. But for someone who has reading OCD issues, that's going to be really high. So offense and defense, right? So once you get those skills, I want you to know that you're going to have those skills for life and you're going to use those and your kids are going to use those. So we're not starting from scratch. We are we are still in the advanced mode and we just have a new little beast to work on and tackle. So it doesn't have to feel like a hopeless thing. Um, it's just another tentacle, which you know, is an okay word to say. <laughs> so I hope that you found this episode helpful. Even if your child isn't having any of the things we discussed, it's so good for you to know and have on your radar because for the last 12 years, I didn't think we had this theme or this issue. And yeah, we did, you know, and we did for probably a little while. It's been brewing for a couple of years and we're going to miss these things. And that's okay. That doesn't really even make me feel bad. Even as a OCD therapist, it doesn't make me feel bad because I know that it's very easy to miss these things. It's super easy to miss these things. And in fact, 
Most people miss them and never, ever spot them. And people suffer way into their 20s and 30s before they ever, if ever, get appropriate help. So um, we're always ahead of the ball when we're helping our kids or young adults, because a lot of times people never get help and that's okay. Not that it's not, it's not okay that they're not getting help, (laughs) but it's okay that we miss things sometimes. I honestly don't feel bad about that part because I know that I'm human and I've been really working on self-compassion and I guess it's working because I'm, I actually feel really good today that I got to discover that and that we have a plan that he was okay with me sharing the story with you so that it can help you and other people in the world. And that's kind of what we do. We live, we learn, and we share. So I hope that you are finding these episodes helpful. And if you are, it always is very nice for you to hit a star and rate the show wherever you consume your podcast. If you have a few extra minutes, you can leave a review. I haven't gotten a review in a while. So I would normally, I, this is the point of the show where I stop and say, I'll read one to you to show my gratitude, but I don't have one because I think the last one was the beginning of December. So if you're finding that you are enjoying my podcast and you've been meaning to take a few, like 30 seconds to write a review, I do appreciate that. And I will be reading your review next time because it'll probably be the only review. (laughs) So those reviews do help. They help other parents know that this is a a worthwhile podcast and it's not going to waste their time. So I hope that you find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll be right back here again. Don't forget to subscribe so you get notified. And I will be here next Tuesday to talk to you about something else. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com.